welcome home. This is Audio EXP for the 24th of July 2021. And the title of this episode is The Pressure on D&D, Wizards of the Coast and Hasbro. In the RPG Publisher Spotlight this month, we have Grognardia Press. Now, you might know that already, because I've said so in previous podcasts, and maybe you read the Geek Native blog. I'm toying with the idea of making mention of the RPG Publisher Spotlight every week to turn up that Spotlight beam and give the monthly winner even more attention. Since there are no sponsors, and won't ever be, it feels like a potential thing to do without a clash. I'm happy to hear your thoughts, and you can get in touch with me via email or via the contact form on Geek Native. It's Geek Native's patrons who get to vote on the monthly Spotlight, and this week I announced another gift for patrons at any tier. A digital copy of Good Strong Hands, the never-ending story-inspired RPG from Nerdburger. And if you're not a patron yet, but you sign up before the 29th, you will get a copy too. My headline news this week is about magnetic press play. The news got coverage around the web, but not much buzz, although I think it's pretty exciting. An international company called Polarity makes games and films, and they're getting into tabletop publishing via one of their own companies. That company is Magnetic Press, and the new imprint is Magnetic Press Play. They will make tabletop RPGs, card games and board games, and the first game is an adaptation of Carbon Grey. That's already a comic book series that mixes diesel punk warfare with the paranormal. And maybe it's not quite well known enough to create buzz. The fact that Andrew Gaska of the Aliens RPG, also of the Terminator RPG, might have made gamers take note. And here's where it absolutely should start to create a buzz. Carbon Grey will use a version of the D6 system under license from West End Games. I didn't think we'd hear West End Games the name ever again. It's a classic publisher from years gone by. They did Star Wars, yes, Star Wars, and they even had a Ghostbusters game. It gets even more dramatic. Another game that Magnetic Press Play will do is Call of Cthulhu, and I'll import that to that modified D6 system. I've not had Chaosium tap on my door about the article, so I conclude it's all licensed. Those are the tabletop RPGs announced. And since they'll be working on card games, board games, and clearly no people, you can see why I thought this news about Magnetic Prey Plus was buzzworthy. A story that did get buzz came from Critical Role, no surprise. Critical's own imprint, Talented Press, has announced its first tabletop RPG too, and it's a supplement for D&D 5e. It's a world setting, but it's not a new one. They will be doing the second edition, of the Taldore campaign in a book called Taldore Reborn. Green Ronin did the first one, and I noticed those books are now on eBay for hundreds of dollars, probably as a result of this news. Matthew Mercer will lead the book with James Heck and Hannah Rose on board, and there's already a Beedle and Grimm Deluxe Edition announced. I think Deluxe Editions are here to stay, an excellent way to support the tabletop community and a good thing all round. We'll be talking a bit more about collector's editions and the economics of tabletop later on in this podcast, 
and not just about the pressure and the expectations that D&D and Wizards of the Coast must be under. Bob Watts will know something of life at Wizards of the Coast. He was vice president there for a while. Among other profile roles he's had, he was also the CEO of Privateer Press for a time. This week, Watts announced the creation of Transatlantis Games. It's a new games company, but it will lean heavily towards partnerships and its use of logistics experience and design skills to help those partners get into the 3D space. Minis, terrains, and stuff like that, in other words, not words on books. Transatlantis Games may be one to watch, but that might be most true if you are an RPG or games professional. Partnerships are interesting in their own rights. We've got that one between West End Games, Agmanetic Press Play, the Transatlantis Game Offer, and there's also now a collaboration between Handiwork Games and Nightfall Games. Handiwork is about to launch the A-State Kickstarter, and Nightfall Games are working on the Terminator RPG. All partnerships. They've announced Harrowvale. Now, Harrowvale will be a 5e setting, but it feels bleak. The art is all gloomy, and what we know about the book so far is that it'll be about trying to scrape together enough money to escape the place. I'm sure Nightfall and Handiwork will make it work, but sometimes it doesn't. And it looks like partnerships with new printers and those not quite working are part of the problems at Modifius and the Elder Scrolls game Call to Arms. I don't have the game, so I can't comment firsthand on how bad the problems are, but it sounds terrible. It sounds like the rules contradict themselves and that the physical quality of the product isn't even fit for purpose. Fit for purpose was the phrase that Modifius used in a blog post announcing that they would be pausing development on the game and giving people free physical copies of replacement rulebooks. That's very unusual and it is both a nod to the size of the problem and how seriously Modifius are taking it. The free replacements aren't the only good news. Modifius has a recovery plan, is committed to the game for at least 18 more months, and the pause is only temporary. Any sort of skirmish game or war game is a big physical commitment, or usually for any gamer. You need space. An example of another physical commitment is the decision to hang a life-sized wand of Orcus on your wall. You'll soon be able to do that and display that fierce skull mounted on a black staff to visitors, thanks to WizKids. Orcus is the lord of the undead in D&D, the master vampire, the ruler of Thanatos in the Abyss. On the other hand, one of the most popular stories in Geeknet this week was a wargame story that doesn't require lots of models, let alone a life-size demon weapon and painting on scale that might require a partnership with Transatlantis Games. That story was my review of Matt Koval's Kingdoms and Warfare supplement for D&D. It can really transform your D&D into a hybrid war, war game and a role-playing game. I think it works, although it took me a little while to get into the rules. It's also a system for tracking intrigue between factions, the rise and fall, and more importantly, the benefits of player characters rising within those factions. Those two rule sets tie together. So you can run D&D as a game worth the PCs as mercenaries in a company, and you're starting off as petty officers perhaps, and then getting promoted through bravery and commanding troops on the field. You could absorb rival companies, squash rivals, um, and here comes the MCDM tie-in, 
end up with your own fortress or stronghold. I said it was a popular story this week. It did get a retweet from Matt Coville himself, which helped. I had to insist. Well, I, I was the assist. As you'd expect, there was no shortage of other D&D news this week. Up front in the highlights, for me, was Strixhaven. Wizards of the Coast don't talk to me, but those blogs that are getting press access are calling Strixhaven a supplement that reminds them of college life drama or Hogwarts drama and Harry Potter. Now, that makes sense. D&D could do this. I think it should, too with an eye on the future media properties from the franchise. You know, any TV show can't be a series of 40-minute battles or tunnel treks. There will be interpersonal drama. So embrace it now. Create a thing with value and make it yours. The other big news from Strixhaven is that it dumps the approach to subclasses tested in North Arcana. Those subclasses were tied to specific colleges like Ravenclaw. Sorry, no, that's, that's Harry Potter. Strixhaven had colleges like Lorholt and Witherbloom. As the subclasses belong to colleges, then more than one D&D character class could, in theory, progress into it. In an interview, Jeremy Crawford said that fans hated it, and so Wizards moved to dump it. Everyone I've spoken to, though, really liked the approach, and they think Watson has made a mistake. What do you think? Now, there are some threads starting to tie together here. We've talked about collector's editions of books, rules updates for books, partnerships and business models. Perhaps a story that reflects all of those is Cubicle 7's reveal of the collected version of the second edition of the Doctor Who RPG. Frankly, it looks awesome. I don't need it. I want it. I don't yet know if I can afford it. I Probably not. The, the slipcase is a blue TARDIS with front opening doors to reveal the insides of a TARDIS. Collector's editions like this are a reason to leap on the Kickstarter and go big, and not to wait for retail, as a punter. The cover art on the main edition of the is good, right, but it's, it's standard. That art is by Will Brooks, an artist often used by other Doctor Who publishers like Titan Comics. Cubicle 7 was missing from all the Doctor Who publisher crossover events in recent years, and that needs to change and perhaps the new edition is a hint that it might. And let's just stick with Cubicle 7 for a bit. Cubicle 7 will be bringing Space Hulk roles to Wrath and Glory. That's the Warhammer 40k partnership that they picked up from Games Workshop. The supplement to look out for is called Redacted Records. It does contain Gene Steel rules, so I have no idea why they just didn't call it Space Hulks. Perhaps that was a decision that came from Games Workshop, who can be mercurial at times. Also in sci-fi news, Pazio Publishing announced a new Starfinder playtest for the Evolutionist Path. We don't have details yet, but I think it hints at transhuman vibes, which is a good option for Starfinder to have. It will be free to take part in the playtest, and Wizards of the Coast have been using free to help promote an internal partnership. That's the D&D and Magic the Gathering crossover. We're onto the fourth freebie adventure, which are a series with a deepest night. I want an example of what Wizards of the Coast could do with a D&D verse, especially with Magic the Gathering adding weight. These adventures are your teasers. And before we get into the future of D&D, and I know we've pretty much left the headlines to the end of the podcast, let's take a very quick look backwards, because you can now buy the game that became D&D in softcover. 
Chainmail is now a softcover option at DriveThruRPG for print-on-demand. But if you're happy with PDFs, then good news there too, as the war game is also part of the Christmas in July sale. D&D continues, by miles, to be the best-selling RPG in the market. ICB2's latest report is out, and D&D at the top was a foregone conclusion. Cyberpunk, though, is now in second place. Remember when Cyberpunk Red came out? It was ages ago. The game is looking like no flash in the pan. It's got legs. Pathfinder is in third place. Free League Publishing's Alien RPG is in fourth place. And the weight of third-party 5e supplements are in fifth. That Alien RPG in fourth place, the one that challenges Pathfinder, that's the RPG that Andrew Gasker contributed to. The same Andrew Gasker that Magnetic Press Play assigned to write Carbon Grey. That's not to say tabletop game industry is all about clever ideas to make money. However, to make money in this hobby industry, you absolutely need a clever idea. Gamma, the Games Manufacturers Association, is giving money and advice away. They've announced the Horizons Fellowship, which offers mentors to startup designers and retailers who hail from traditionally underrepresented communities. It's worth $30,000 in total, but one talented designer and one retailer will get each a 5,000 grant boost. Could it be you? Details are on the blog. I played and reviewed a game this week which was all about communities. It's, um, we might need to coin a phrase for it. What about competitive story game? The RPG is Radial Commune and it only costs a few bucks at itch.io and it's about trying to help a community rebuild after the end of the world as we know it while other and more traditional communities try the same and sabotage you. There's no GM, so you work together to improvise what happens. However, your characters will have different roles and abilities, and despite being a story game, you can lose. In fact, some of the game is about not being the loser while someone else wins, and so you sometimes use dice to act against the other players in your collaborative story of survival. Original, huh? I think it's worth your cash. I really do. Now, there was no pressure for a radial commune to succeed. At least, that's the assumption I'm making. Hundreds of jobs didn't depend on the Cindy, and perhaps that helped it explore in bold new directions. And this weekend, it's been confirmed that the co-writer of the TV show Eureka and the one-time Moom Studios co-founder, Andrew Cosby, is writing a D&D TV show. We don't know if that is the same one that the John Wick writer Derek Hallstart is shaping and helping Hasbro sell to networks. It might be, but it might also be an additional one. With this knowledge granted to us by a digital session at SDCC, we can look back for clues on Andrew's Twitter. And there's a big one. The synopsis might well be about a glittering city set in the middle of a barren and deadly land, a city that beguiles your sense of time, seduces you and distracts you while you're effectively removed from your belongings. Las Vegas is the example. This, I think, is the pressure that Hasbro, Wizards of the Coast and D&D are under. After record years of growth, and now with the lockdown beginning to ease and maybe less pressure to stay at home with the family and play games, and with dozens of big new players in the landscape, you know, Bloomsbury and Osprey, Rebellion, Andrews McMill, Polarity, Magnetic Prey Press, 
what do D&D do next? What do wizards do to keep shareholders happy? That's a legal requirement, by the way. I argue that they need to find new ways for D&D to grow, but to keep the game D&D. They need to add new branches. For example, like a strict saving social drama. That might be good for TV. Or computer games. Or a digital subscription model. Or $750 collected edition models. Which, by the way, is a thing and I'll pre-order at the official Wizards and D&D partnership shop as the D&D Icons of the Realms, the Wild Beyond the Witchlight Collector's Edition miniatures box. And this is where all this week threads seem to tie together, right? Try different things, make it easier, free to get involved, make sure upsells are possible and make sure those people with money to invest in their hobby can go big with you. And I think we're back to shows and movies that talk about Las Vegas and conversations about whales, you know, those high-rolling customers, and designing things to keep people happy and spending their money. And I don't mind, as long as I'm happy and other people aren't being hurt. But I see the gamble and risks that Wizards of the Coast must feel they have to make. What if they pick a direction, jump, and there's nothing there? What if the market data was wrong? I can also see why indie platforms like Itch.io are doing well. And that's where I found Radial Commune. But we're not done. There are two bundles and one competition to tell you about. First up, Evil Hat Productions has a large fate deal on the bundle of holding. That's worth about $335 worth of goodies if you can beat that moving target of the threshold price. And some of your money goes to charity. Pelgrim Press also have a 13th age bundle at Humble. That has more tiers, but at the top there's about $383 worth of content for the fantasy game. And you need about 20 bucks to secure that, and a portion of your money goes to charity. The competition is over at Geek Native, and it's for the upcoming Kickstarter project, Leeches Dance Macarb. You'll get a coupon for the final 5 in Pathfinder supplement, the beta copy right away, and two other prizes. And so, on that note, let's wrap there. Keep safe. Keep your undead soul tucked away, and we'll see you next week.